0: your positive positive, positive. Imprint, imprint 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 stories are everywhere people and their positive actions inspire positive achievements your pi could mean the world to you get ready for your positive imprint
1: hello this is Catherine your host of your positive imprint the variety show podcast featuring positive actions inspiring positive achievements worldwide thank you so much for listening You can find me on Facebook, Your Positive Imprint, Instagram, Your Positive Imprint, or Twitter, What's Your PI. Check me out on my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can also sign up for email updates and learn more about all of the fabulous guests that have been on the show and upcoming guests. And my guest today, who is actually just down the street, but we are needing to do this (laughs) as a phone call, her name is Summer Sloan. Well, Summer is a bulimia survivor, a wandering artist moving aimlessly from city to city. And she knew what she wanted to do with her life, but how would she get there? Well, Summer shares all of that. But before her incredible story, I want to remind you that I have a YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint. I share a message with you and also the faces of some of the many PIs I've had on the show over the last year. And speaking of past guests, I have a couple of updates. Darlene Matz, who is a knitter far up in northern Alaska, has now completed 4,000 hats. Will those hats go to children and adults whom are less fortunate? Her episode is Two Knitting Needles Are Changing the World, Darlene Matz. Check out her episode if you haven't listened to it or listen to it again. And then Michael Pereira of Paris, France, a.k.a. Broadway in Paris. Well, he offers dance classes via Facebook Live every day at 5 p.m. Paris, France time. I love these classes, and I'm loving being able to dance and stretch. Well, why don't you join him? Well, this week is Earth Day week, but really, Earth Day is every day. As many of us recycle and conserve water, and of course, tons more. But for those of you who are new listeners, check out some of my previous episodes from my website or iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Or if you've been listening, go back and listen to some of those episodes. I have a lot of environmentalists on my on my uh, podcast awesome to listen to. And of course, music is by Chris Knoll, who composes his own jazz, blues, and other piano compositions. And speaking of Earth Day, Chris also played piano in the 1990s for environmental songwriter John Denver. Check out Chris at his website, chrisknoll.com, C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E, and of course, Spotify. Well, last week, I had a climate change physical oceanographer on the show, Nathan Bindoff. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for all of your wonderful positive emails that I'm receiving. I'm just so super psyched that you love the episode. And I just have so much to share with you that I'm so excited about, just everything. But I'll have some of that uh, and share with you later. But thanks for listening to this free podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? Summer, hello. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Well, it'd be great if we could see you, but. Well, Yeah. yeah. Summer, you have this amazing background that I didn't know about when I first met you. And for my listeners, I met Summer when we were together on a musical, a community musical theater of Mary Poppins. And we became friends, and I became friends with a whole new community that that I am so grateful to be a part of now. There's some fabulous, wonderful people within that community. So that's where I met Summer. So, right. uh, yeah, and, and since then, Summer and I have talked quite a bit. We have something in common. She's an educator, and I am also an educator. So, but we're going to hear about your struggles which thank you so much, Summer, for wanting to share that. I know it's it's difficult to do. And how those struggles brought you, well, the experiences that you used from those struggles provided a focus for you to reach for the stars and beyond to bring you mm-hmm. to where you are today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's my pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Summer. Why don't we start out with you telling us who Summer is?
0: Ooh, that's a lot of things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: uh, good or mad. Um, so I am a director here in town in Albuquerque. I started my own theater company. So five years ago, I moved here from Nashville, Tennessee, which I still adore, but I'm very grateful to be here. And then... From moving here is when I started Heartstrings Theater, and along with that, all of the theater adventures I've had.
1: Well, what was life like? I mean, Nashville is is a blues and jazz place. Are you into that type of music? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I loved the music. That was that was not bad. <laughs> oh, I
1: I love all genre of music and. And in fact, the person that that provides the music for my show, my podcast, is from not from, but he is in Ma- in Nashville now, Chris Knoll. Oh, so yeah, he's he's Yay. absolutely phenomenal. I know, great place, I'm and sure. uh, he's. It's magical. I'm sure it is. I've I've only visited, and of course, I have friends out there, and they love it. But mm-hmm. anyway, Chris is a master at all genre. So for you. What was life like growing up in Nashville?
0: Um, Or did you grow up there? I didn't grow up there. I've moved. We grew up moving a ton. So kind of out of college, that's what I knew. So I just kept moving. (laughs) I moved from Florida to Chicago to Nashville. And a big part of my story is I was kind of this, like, such a typical hippie child artist. Uh, Didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life was kind of trying to figure out who I was, and so I just kept moving, um, and I would work odd jobs and work some with high school theaters and show choirs and all, all that kind of stuff, but really was kind of just aimlessly wandering, and then I moved to Nashville, and I a big part of my story is that I have overcome an eating disorder, bulimia specifically, and so part of why I moved to Nashville was I was sort of just running from the fact that I was struggling with all that, I kept blaming it on Chicago and thinking, you know, oh, if I can just get out of here, then I'll be fine. And obviously anybody that has had any type of addiction knows that (laughs) it follows you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is true. It's kind
0: of in you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It comes with you. So Nashville was okay for the first however many months I was there. I moved there to help start a ministry for teen moms.
1: Oh, Um, wow.
0: Yeah. And
1: you helped start it?
0: I did. I was one of the, I mean, I barely helped. I moved there to help get it started for that reason. But it quickly came out as I was doing all this that I was still knee-deep in bulimia.
1: Summer, that is so wonderful. And and (laughs) so even with your struggles with your eating disorder, Uh and you said it was bulimia? Yes. So even with the struggling of that, you knew that you wanted to be this positive imprint for other people and that yeah. that just strikes me so in a just a great positive manner but can I ask you I mean I don't know how much yeah. you want to share oh, but for sure with your no, bulimia how did you how they know how did you lose that job it was a holy moment
0: I think I had called my dad and I said I relapsed and I don't know what to do and I remember so clearly my dad said summer there is hard and there's destructive. This is destructive right now. And so I came clean with my bosses and we I mean, kind of all decided it's time to step down and really get help. I think one of the biggest things man, I believe wholeheartedly in making a difference in the world and I am that's I feel like my biggest purpose here in in the world. But I one of the biggest things I'm realizing too is that we can't help others fully until we really heal ourselves and invest in ourselves. So it was a really, probably the hardest thing that I have walked through and the most humbling thing I've ever walked through, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because it gave me this opportunity to actually be able to help people now. I needed to get healing and wholeness first before I could really do the things I wanted to do. I feel like anybody that is walking through an addiction, when you're in it, it feels like the most impossible situation but in hindsight I look at having been laid off and and let go of as a severe grace because that was the turning point for me if I didn't have I needed something that big to kind of shake me up and make me realize that I needed help otherwise I would have just continued in the direction I was going and so I often think the biggest breakdowns in our lives and the biggest humbling moments or however you want to describe those are actually the biggest blessings because without those we don't grow and we don't change and we don't step
1: into who it is that we're meant to be fully. Oh I just I love that so severe grace what a what a way to put it and then your last words that were you can't do what you were meant to be to do what you were meant to do but your words are very eloquent huge with messages thank you and and we haven't even you know, le- learned how you have defeated this, but you're already—I mean, just what you're saying—it's just incredible. So I don't want to yeah. want to stop you. I want to—I want to continue to sure um, hear. This is just absolutely wonderful.
0: Thank you. You're so
1: sweet. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's the positive imprints are what I absolutely love bringing to the world, and and you obviously, Summer, are an amazing one. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So, and your dad's Um, words were great, too.
0: Yes, my dad is kind of my hero. Yeah, he. it was just one of those moments where you're like, okay, this is a gift, and I can either take it as a gift or I can keep pretending like this isn't a problem, and my life can keep spiraling out. So one of the ways, I've I've gotten help in a lot of different ways. In high school, it looked like therapy, um, and I'm actually in counseling now and I'm a huge fan of that, so no shame <laughs> for anybody <laughs> out there that is looking into counseling. I highly recommend it. Uh, it has saved my life, but at the time, I couldn't afford counseling, and so literally, I would go to OA meetings, which is similar to, it's a 12-step program, but it's for people that struggle with food issues, over Years Anonymous. I found that, and then I had a mentor, and she would just, I kind of just learned to really lean into her and kind of another cool god thing with my roommates. One of them was a counseling major and the other one was a nutritional major. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the I, the I two mean, I best just, worlds. Oh, yeah. Everywhere I looked, I just had help. And so I really learned to lean into that. I really learned to ask for help and to, to learn what my triggers were. I slowed way, way down that next year and really took a long, hard look at myself. And another thing that they always talk about with addiction is sort of hitting a point where you will do any whatever, you're willing to do whatever to get better. And I would say the first year of me healing was kind of miserable in a lot of ways. I just worked at a Mexican restaurant and <laughs> served people chips, um, <laughs> which is I also don't recommend if you're healing from an eating disorder. But, yeah, I would... Um, work at a Mexican restaurant and meet with my mentor and go to OA meetings. And that was sort of my life. And it sucked in a lot of ways, and it was really, really heavy and hard. But I now, on this side of things, I would not trade any of that for the world because you can't see it when you're in it, but there is just nothing. There's nothing that addiction is better than when you're on the other side of it. I mean, it, it just, there's so much life on the other side of it would not have traded that year for the world but it was also horrible <laughs> at the time <laughs> so
1: yeah so have you gone in and in and out with bouts of addiction or was it just one bat um, it was no, many it was, years?
0: yeah no it was it was two two different seasons of my life so in high school from about 15 to 21 I was really in the thick of bulimia and then and I at that point Uh, counseling was huge for me, really, really huge. And then the second round was about 25 to 28, and um, it looked a little bit different both times, actually. I would say the second time was more food addiction. I would just very out of control. Both times it was disordered eating, but it looked a little different both times.
1: Yeah. You know, you've had these experiences that obviously have provided... The experiences and the counseling and you knew something inside of you knew you weren't meant to just be that person caught up in in these struggles so what can what are some of the inspiring words that you can share with listeners as to what you reflected on or what went through your head as to help you pull yourself out because counseling, anybody yeah. can go to counseling and you can sit there for hours and hours and hours, but you have to right. pull from that.
0: Yep, you do. I think for me it was it was a stake in the ground decision. I was made for more. And, I mean, I am a faith person and I, I think feeling like believing that I'm made in the image of God and what does that actually mean. And that means that I have a ton of value and worth and that I am a child of the creator and and so for me it was claiming those truths and really putting a stake in the ground and saying we're not going back to all of the lies that I've believed about myself and all of all of the the doubts and allowing experiences to shape my identity versus allowing God to shape my identity. And I, I but I do think for anybody in any faith capacity or no faith capacity it the bottom line is saying I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of this. I, I know that I am worthy of more. I'm not going to keep letting my past and my past experiences dictate my future. But it's important, I guess, to recognize that, you know, a lot of us come out of really, really painful, hard stories. I see it all the time, especially with my, the middle school that I teach at. For those of us that were not given necessarily all the tools or all the life experiences to make us feel valuable and worthy of love and worthy of good things, it's okay if it takes a lot of years and a lot of time to undo your past um, and to get to a point where your your past and your painful stories are not what's defining you today.
1: You're remarkable with your thought process and what you are carrying with you in very positive ways so you can share that with your class and instill those values and morals with people that cross your own path.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. That's my hope. <laughs> well, and 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 you're definitely definitely doing that. When you left Nashville and you left Nashville because you were running again from bulimia or was that um, a time? That no, that time was actually I had I had
0: kind of put a stake in the ground in Nashville and really gotten healthy. So that first year was just miserable. The second year, um, I got into a teaching program, which was kind of cool because it had come full circle where, you know, I had had this huge fail. And then all of a sudden, full circle, got this teaching opportunity internship, kind of similar to Teach for America. Actually, it was really intense and crazy. (laughs) 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 They train you over the summer. So it's like 15-hour days. Uh, and after five weeks they throw you into a teaching job in the hood so it was was really intense yeah but again I look at I mean just the miracle that I had gotten whole and healthy the year before because there's no way no way I could have walked through that first year teaching had I not been in a healthy mindset yeah so after that first year um, a bunch of crazy stuff happened, so that program at the time had, they wanted you, it was when Common Core had first come out, and so everything was about the kids' testing. Well, I was so nervous about my kids' testing that I had a panic attack and had to stay home the first few days of my kids' testing, and they just bombed. And so I wound up not getting certified by that program, which was really crazy, and there's even a law in place now that teachers can't get their license revoked based on kids' testing, so even though all my other scores looked great and I was one of their top candidates at the time with the teaching program, I wound up not getting certified, which was another just, like, crazy kind of blow And me going, well, gosh, am I always just going to, like, fail a lot? Oh,
1: my um, gosh.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really did wonder, you know, it, do I just suck at jobs? Like, is this not my thing? <laughs> uh, but I remember, again, another stake in the ground moment my aunt here said this is not a fail this is a redirect and she said i think god is trying to get your attention and he couldn't do it any other way but to create a situation that's this big i just came home to nashville and called my mom bawling and i said i miss new mexico and i really want to be there and so the crazy part is six months later the doors just opened wide for me to move here and it's just funny because i got my license and teaching like no problem <laughs> it was so not even a big deal to start teaching here it's been great teaching here and then out of that kind of boredom started an after-school acting class and little did I know that that was going to turn into a full-fledged theater yeah so failures don't last <laughs>
1: that's, that's a good thing point that is a good point
0: <laughs> yeah, they don't At the time, they're not very fun, but, and I, yeah, I'm not one of those people with a really pretty story of, you know, I didn't just, like, come out crushing life. I had a lot of, a lot of big fails before I kind of started to find my groove, so maybe that's encouragement for somebody (laughs) out there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and, and maybe we, maybe failures is a strong word, maybe they were... Mm -hmm you know, just different paths that you were taking, that were taking you in a different direction. Because, you know, I don't know, I'm a believer that our experiences, you know, whether we view them as positive or negative, I don't think if you learned from that experience, then it was not a failure.
0: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Well, and one of the things I love teaching my kids now is learn how to walk through it, you know, because so much of anybody that wants to pursue acting knows it is rejection after rejection after rejection and you sort of have to have this grit about you if we're going to make it in that world and so it's cool to see how all of the things I was learning at that time I'm now teaching and I'm now able to say hey kids (laughs) here's why this is true
1: and learn from my story you know and that's good and that's another part of your full circle is, yeah. you know, we, we learn from our experiences and we share. Well, at least yes. we, we hope. Not everybody shares, but now you are in New Mexico and I meet you. How long have you been uh-huh. in New Mexico? You said five years you've been here. Yes,
0: five S- years. So five um, years. Yeah, so we met, I think I'd been here two years at that point when we met.
1: Okay. You were just doing, you said out of boredom, you started <laughs> uh, helping out and doing things with, with acting uh-huh. classes after school and starting an after-school program. Yep. And what made you want to go so huge as <laughs> to open oh up your gosh. own theater? <laughs> yeah, it was not.
0: It did not start that way. Uh, well, the cool, my favorite part is I had always had that dream, probably for nine years, I had thought, gosh, I would love to run a children's theater. But, side note, I had never really directed, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, This is summer for you just like diving in and then i also i had almost enough credits in college to be a theater major but i ended up switching to psychology so my minors in theater uh i'd have i mean i've had a lot of experiences with theater enough to kind of know what i was doing and i took one directing class (laughs) so obviously that makes me a pro um (laughs) i think this is great
1: i love it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, I I was just in EA at a middle school working on my teaching certification and my aunt, is, she homeschools her kids and has a bunch of friends at homeschool. And she came to me one day and said, Summer, this is so random, but me and two of my mom friends were saying that our kids had all come to us separate, like their kids didn't know this about each other. Our, our kids have all come to us separately and said we want to act or you know one girl that just moved here from Texas and came from a really great theater program and she was missing that so it was like randomly all these different families had wanted to do theater and they didn't have anyone to teach them and my aunt said well that's weird because my niece just moved here and she wants to be a drama teacher because um, I taught four I guess I should specify I taught fourth grade in Nashville which I should have never <laughs> I should have never done For the record, I am not an elementary school teacher. Um, So, yeah, that's not my gifting. So when I moved here, I was like, okay, not only am I not teaching elementary school anymore, but I'm going to get certified to do the thing I really want to do, which is teach drama. And then out of that conversation, literally my aunt was like, well, let's just offer a class on the Homeschool Coalition page. I mean, that's like literally how it started. So we just offered a class, and then after that, that summer, well, the class went really well, and then we offered that class, two classes in the spring, and did kind of like a mini workshop, and then that summer, we offered a summer camp, and then the next school year, literally, this is me in a nutshell, I said, let's do a play.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> what play did you do?
0: We did Line the Witch, the Wardrobe, which is like, this day so special to my heart because it was our first ever play but of all the crazy things we sold out both performances and it just was one of those kind of miraculous moments where you go okay this is this is working and this is this is something much bigger than me and the other really crazy part is from that we just had we had a mom come along she had just moved here from Illinois and said hey I My children did this really big children's theater in Illinois, and I would make costumes for everybody. Can I make costumes for you guys? And I was like, well, of course, because they're going to be wearing paper bags if I do it. (laughs) Um, And then the, the church that we, I mean, it's true, the church that we were rehearsing at, their secretary said, hey, I'm used to do um, set design for this community theater in Texas. Can I build sets for you? I mean, it was just so... It's been one story after the next of that. Just so many people that have come around us who are really good at what they do, just wanting to help. So now we can pay them a little bit. Hopefully, we're working on getting them paid more. Yeah, it was very much miraculous beginning and has been ever since. So we're super grateful. And it's just... I don't know. It's just my favorite thing. It feels magical
1: every time. I want to ask you about the name. So mm-hmm. it's a great name, Heart Strings Theater. How did you come upon yes. that name?
0: This is kind of a funny story. Initially, I was going to name it Trash Bag Theater. Because <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Because my our first set, we used a bunch of... This is just gonna make it sound horrible, but I <laughs> like to think it looked a little better than this. But it probably didn't. Our first like per- mini performance from our classes, we used a bunch of trash bags and we colored coffee filters to make a and pasted them on there to make them look like flowers. So I thought it was like a cool, unique thing to say.
1: Yeah. trash bag
0: feeder and I told everybody was like yeah what a great idea and I told my brother who's a marketing major and he goes summers that's horrible <laughs> why would you do that and so thankfully he said that because otherwise it would just been a terrible name um <laughs> yeah gosh so he said that and then I I think it really came out of just I feel like it's not worth it to me if we don't do a show, if I'm not directing from from my heart. Like, it really feels like every time we do a performance, I'm putting my whole heart kind of vulnerably on the stage. And it really matters to me that we tell stories that, that impact people and that make a difference. And and essentially, we want to tug on heartstrings. I mean, to be cliche, we just want to tell stories that matter and stories that move people And for me, theater has always been that outlet that it moves people. And so that's probably when I really got down to it and thought about, all right, well, what is the point of our theater and why do we do it? And I think it always comes back to wanting to make a difference and wanting to pull on heartstrings, just to put it real bluntly. (laughs) We've slowly added more and more shows. So each year we've done more shows. And um, our school year shows are in theaters. Usually. Sometimes we've had to get creative and convert a few churches. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, most of them are in theaters during the school year. Right. And then the summertime ones are at outdoor venues. You
1: see, you've had to close. Yeah. Uh, are you going to be closed over the summer, or is that still going to be up in the air? And what?
0: Yeah, everything's up in the air right now. When everything shut down, we were working on holes.
1: Do you know the Lewis the Car book? I don't know that one. Can can you summarize uh, that one? History. Yeah, so it's based on
0: it's a really popular kids' book, and it's based on this boy Stanley Yelnats who gets kind of caught red-handed stealing a pair of sneakers, but it turns out that he's actually been framed, and so out of that he gets sent to Camp Green Lake for boys for troubled youth, where he has to dig holes, <laughs> um, and then being at camp he learns the history of Camp Green Lake and it turns out that there's like a curse on the whole town of Camp Green Lake and so it just follows Stanley's journey through all of that and through undoing the curse basically but it's a really it's a really layered story it has it deals a lot with racism and kind of the roots of that and then just humanity in general i it's a it's a really beautiful story it's definitely not one you would think of for kids but it's really really popular with kids as well so we're excited
1: well that's great and that certainly would pull on the heartstrings yeah and, <laughs> I <know> so, so. <laughs> and so that one's been you said postponed or canceled
0: postponed okay we that's for good. sure we'll do it but i just everything right now is up in the air as you know so
1: right, if right. we
0: get if we get the opportunity we'll perform it this summer as well as Little Mermaid.
1: Oh, that would be so much fun. (laughs) Oh, gosh, Ariel, bringing Ariel back.
0: Oh, my gosh, I know. Yeah, we're going to do, so we'll do those shows either way at some point. They will happen. And what age group is the
1: children's theater for, not for people uh, attending, but for people to audition? Right.
0: It depends on the show. So Holes was 10 and up because some of it has a little heavier content, and so we actually do have a few cast members that are, uh, kids who have aged out, we age out it. So when they turn 19, they're officially aged out. But we have begun doing more shows with adults in them, so we're opening more opportunities that way. And then during the summer, our shows are always 5 to 18, so that's our our big summer show. During the school year, we usually do one show with like elementary aged and middle school. This year, we did a Charlie Brown Christmas for them, and. The, and then we typically do a show for the older kids, so like middle and high school. The school year, it was Adam's family, Jr.
1: Oh. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. I bet that one was. <laughs> uh, you yep. are also reaching out and teaching classes via uh-huh. Skype or via Zoom, yes. rather.
0: We're trying to get creative. We have um, We started theme nights, so tonight is a pajama party.
1: oh how fun and no are they normally person to person or are they always on zoom
0: no they're always person to person so this is super different for us and we've i've heard of theaters doing online rehearsals but i just can't figure out how you really besides memorizing your lines i don't really know what the point of that is so if anybody has ideas Feel free to let me know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to navigate all this
1: too. That's that's great that you are continuing to offer your students, you know, something that they obviously love. And we're excited. Yeah. And so now when you say were, how many people do you have working? It depends on the
0: show. Adam's family had we had about five five people as far as like paid people. Um, And then we have a ton of volunteers every show. We have at least 20 volunteers.
1: Isn't that fabulous that people come out uh, to help? Yeah. That's awesome. That's great.
0: Yeah. We get, I mean, we get thousands of dollars worth of stuff donated every show, whether it's like lights or just people's time or graphic design. Yeah. It's incredible. We are so, so blessed. I never want to forget that. Just how how amazing it's been that people have come around us and really believed in us because we're super lucky.
1: Yeah, that's great. Again, I really appreciate that you shared your struggles and how it was that you came to be to this wonderful place in your life. and <laughs> Absolutely. You, and really severe grace is how you explained it. Uh, yeah. And I think that that, that is an incredible way for you to look back uh, to help you move forward, but you have to allow for that grace. So, yes, well, this wandering artist, as you call yourself, has (laughs) found her niche and no longer a wandering artist. But you are (laughs) here, and you have staked in your positive imprints. Thank uh, you. Yeah, from the past up to the present, and you're doing an Mm -hmm. awesome job. Yes. Thank you so much. That's very sweet. Well and and it's true you are you are really reaching out into the community and providing so many opportunities. So yeah. any last second inspiring words that you'd like to share?
0: Um, I, I guess I just want to encourage anybody that is looking to get help or in the middle of overcoming addiction. I just want to emphasize again that we cannot help. I really feel like we cannot help others until we're getting help for ourselves and that it is absolutely worth every penny of any money that you spend on it or any time. I think there's nothing more important that you anybody can do then to reach out and get help if you're in the middle of that and I have nothing but respect and love for you guys especially right now holy cow trying to heal from any kind of addiction during a quarantine is wild <laughs> so just sending a lot a lot of love I'd love to connect with any and all of you guys we love making new friends at heartstrings
1: well Summer Sloan thank you so much for joining me here on your positive thank influence thank you and we have heard from the wandering artist who struggled with her bulimia, bringing her here and opening up Heartstrings Theater. Summer Sloan, thank you so much for your positive imprints. Thank you. I loved it. This looks great. If you need someone to reach out to, check out Overeaters Anonymous or some other counseling service. And to learn more about Summer Sloan's Theater, check out HeartstringsTheaterCompany.com. And to connect with Summer, check out Heartstrings Theater Company on Facebook. Subscribe or follow this podcast by hitting that follow button now. Thanks for listening. Your positive imprint. What's your P.I.